hosted by Jay Shearer from the Story Geeks podcast and me, Josh Taylor from Network 1901. We are super stoked to talk about The Fly this week, uh, a huge movie in the 1980s and one of Jeff Goldblum's best or not best, depending on whether you agree with Jay or me. But before we get into the show, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Stitcher Premium. Really quickly, Stitcher Premium allows you to listen to all kinds of stuff that you may not have access to, like Marvel's Wolverine audio drama called The Long Night, uh, the Katie Couric show, tons of extra bonus content from some of your favorite podcasts that are out there. And it's uh, only five bucks a month or four ninety nine a month, but if you use our code nineteen oh one, that's one nine zero one, you get a free month for free. If you sign up without the code, you get a free week. So by all means, go ahead and do that if you'd like. But I think a free month is better than a free week. That's just me. So if you're interested in more podcast content, more interesting high end podcast content, use our code and sign up at Stitcher.com slash premium or in the show notes at network1901.com slash goldblooming. Uh, but let's jump into this show. This episode, we're talking about the fly. Get down, let's get excited, and welcome to Gold Blooming. Jay, so The Fly, that's this episode. What a crazy film. <laughs> it's insane, dude. We, we talked about it, I think, on the first episode, and we've kind of hinted at it before, but neither you or I had seen this film. No. Super famous film. Yeah. Which, by the way, the famous line, be be afraid, be very afraid, yeah. when it got muttered, Gina Davis says it in the film, my wife and I, Angie, she looked at me, and we both kind of looked at each other at the same time, we're like, is this the first time this quote is said? <laughs> like, did they is rip this- it from somewhere else? It is the first time. That that quote, be afraid, be very afraid, yeah. is from The Fly. No way. And it's like kind of outlived The Fly, right? Like, that's yep. a pretty famous movie quote. Yep. Nobody knows where it's from, but it's from The Fly. No way. That's uh, cool. It is cool. But, okay, so I'm glad that I saw The Fly, and, and we'll talk about it in a bit. We both have very differing opinions from kind of what we were thinking about <laughs> beforehand on right. The Fly, so this is going to be a really interesting show, because <laughs> we're going to talk a lot of different topics as well. Um, but before that, I want to kind of jump into what we've been doing, which is, you know, leading you up to The Fly from the previous film. So the last film we talked about was 1985's Transylvania 5000. Um, the Fly came out in 86. So there's not a whole lot of time shifting by, but there's two films that came out in that time frame. And here's a really interesting thing that we're going to kind of remind people of some old names here. Two films came out, the first one being Silverado. He plays like a gambler uh, mm. in the film. Have you seen that one? I've seen it, but I do not remember him in it. Okay, yeah. He's kind of more of a bit role okay. in that one. Plays a gambler named Calvin Stanhope. Slick Calvin Stanhope. That is also a Lawrence Kasdan written, directed film. Oh, no way. So uh, right after The Big Chill, Lawrence Kasdan went to work on this film. And so it makes sense that it also stars Kevin Kline, who was the lead for for Big Chill. He's the lead in Silverado. Uh, But this film also stars uh, Scott Glenn, Danny Glover, who was like a huge, you know, this was like kind of right before... uh, him and Mel Gibson teamed up. Yep. And then uh, John Cleese, obviously Monty Python. So he was, you know, coming into this. A pretty big movie with a great star-studded cast. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum kind of plays just a small bit part. But he plays the lead role in the next film, which is uh, Into the Night. He plays Ed Oaken, who finds his wife cheating on him. Ah. 
uh, kind of an ordinary guy, finds his wife cheating on him, and then kind of thinks, like, I'm going to make, like, kind of a crazy wild night. Oh. Uh, and he goes on this crazy adventure, <laughs> and it's almost like a thriller slash comedy. Ah, oh, got There's it. a lot of great cameos in this film, including Lawrence Kasdan, <laughs> who, like, he just can't escape him. He's just like, the yeah. two are now connected. That's awesome. Um, Dan Aykroyd is also in the film. David Bowie's in the film. Whoa. And Jim Henson. No way. All They all make cameos. Yeah. And then the other person in the film that he kind of she jumps onto his car i think she's running away from like the mob or something okay it's pretty wild <laughs> crazy movie but michelle pfeiffer no is way. his co-star oh not his wife is cheating on him not his wife is cheating on him but okay. like the person that he kind of has a wild crazy night with got it got it got it got it so it reminded me that when i was like reading about the film and i actually do want to go back and watch it at some point but this reminded me a lot. Eyes wide shut. Oh, okay, it's very. Okay. It sounds like a comedic eyes wide shut, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> I can only there's imagine. Not a, there's not a lot of comedy in that film. No, no, not at all. So, but with Jeff Goldblum, you, you get typical Jeff Goldblum yes. in that kind of role. Yes. Uh, and that being a big leading role for him, which was great because it like I felt like the big chill. He was like an ensemble cast, right? And then with Transylvania Six Five Thousand, it's a leading role in kind of like a B movie. Yeah. Um, and the same with uh, Buckaroo Bonsai. He has like a kind of a cast role in kind of a B movie. So he hasn't really had like that huge breakout moment yet. Yeah. And like Into the Night, I think, was a great film for that. Yeah. But I think an even bigger film, huge film uh, of, the entire, of the entire 80s, but like huge film for like leading role, Jeff Goldblum, possible contender for like awards is The Fly. Real, real quick, so neither of us had seen this film. Right. What did you think about the film before you saw it? And what were your initial thoughts during or right afterwards? <laughs> it's such a good question. Because I had this I had this experience where I know that The the Fly is an iconic film. Because we've all heard of it. Right. Anybody that's our age has heard of The Fly. And this is a remake. So there's actually, there's, I think, five Fly films in total. Oh, there's no like, way. There's I didn't like, know that. Yeah, there's like 1958's The Fly. Then it had a sequel called like Return of the Fly, and then I think the la- there's a third one in the series called like The Last Fly or something like that. And then they decided to remake it. Obviously, makeup and like editing and everything movie making wise had gotten better by the time the '80s rolled right. around. So they want to remake the film. They kind of change up the story a little bit, and then they have a second Fly film a few years later okay because this was such a massive hit but go, sorry go ahead <laughs> cool. go on no it's awesome so I, I'm, I'm thinking like oh this is gonna be really iconic i did know that it was a cult film in other words i knew that it was not necessarily gonna be oscar contender everyone considers this film great right like, it, like i i would assume that it was controversial going into it to a degree sure so I was pretty excited to watch this one because of all the films on the list, this one was one that's like, hey, I'm I'm the story geeks. I love geek movies. This is a geek movie. I'm into this. It's going to be awesome. And I discovered watching this film my issue with The Big Chill in comparison to this film. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's a writer called, there's a writer named uh, Leos Agri, and he wrote a book uh, called The Art of Dramatic Writing. Okay. And it's all about like how do you write a drama that's like that's compelling, right? He says that you have to have a premise. So a premise is not a theme. It's actually the idea that the writer is exploring and the truth that the writer is attempting to reveal. 
Okay. That's what's called the premise. That's sure. what he says. And the way it works is like basically like for Othello, you know, jealousy destroys itself and the object of its love. So it's you take this this like concept, jealousy, and then what happens if jealousy takes over. That's basically how a premise works. So I don't know what the premise of the big chill is. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. and that's why I have a difficulty with the film. There's another several premises that if you said, oh, actually, the, what they were trying to prove was what he was trying to prove out was this concept. Right. I would probably sit there and I would go, that's awesome. Like I can get behind that. But I'm confused on what the premise is of that film. But that film is executed, I would say, near flawlessly. In, in screenwriting. In, in, in screenwriting and in the filmmaking process. Okay. The sure. only thing I would say is maybe there's a little bit of pacing issues in the modern day movie. But as you said, I, you liked the way that it was paced. So it's really well done from an execution standpoint. I'm just not sure what it's trying to tell me. There's so many things that it's trying to tell me um, that I'm not exactly sure what I would write out as its premise. Sure. Make sense? The main takeaway. Yeah. You, yeah. 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 Sure. Um, it's, which means it's complex and that's great. But. What I realized was I loved the premise of The Fly. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was such a good... It it subverted my expectations about what I thought was going to happen. We talked a little bit about before we started recording. I thought that a character was going to end up being the hero and (laughs) was totally wrong. And I thought another character was going to be a villain and was totally wrong. But the premise of this film that basically arrogance and pride will cause you to destroy yourself and turn you into a villain i thought was fantastic what i didn't like was the execution on the premise so the premise was amazing whereas with the other film i thought like i'm not sure what the premise is so i I don't know if i can get behind it but the execution is flawless this film the execution (laughs) i don't know there's there's like this scene at the end (laughs) i'm not gonna go into spoilers i'm sure we'll get into this but there's a scene at the end where you're like Oh, this is so intense. And then something else happens and they don't address it at all. This movie ends and you're like, what happened with that with that part of it? So the execution for me was lacking, but I loved the premise and the idea behind it. Okay, so I have a different premise for this movie. Oh, okay. Perfect. So um, let me kind of go over some easy like details about the film first um, to kind of give everybody up to speed. If you didn't see the film, and maybe this will also help in in kind of discovering the premise and what I thought it was about. Yeah. Right? So, this film was um, directed by David Cronenberg, and he's kind of a master of body horror kind of films. Like, he's definitely a, a, a guy that relies a lot on makeup or, like, animatronics. He did, I think one of his more famous films that he ever did was a few years before this, actually the late 70s, called Shivers. Uh, Shivers is about uh, a bunch of these kind of like maggots. You kind of see one yeah, a little yeah, yeah. bit in the in the film, and I think maybe it was an ode homage to that. To that. Yeah. Um, but you see this kind of like maggot thing, and it is a symbol mm. for uh, venereal disease for parasites. It attacks women only, uh, and then once it enters their body, they become like sex crazed zombies and go after men okay and so the whole premise of the film is kind of a play on venereal diseases and, and sexual diseases okay i thought that this could also be the premise of this film in the sense of yes um medicine is playing god yep like how um seth brundle jeff goldblum's character does in the film yep he's playing god yep 
we are taking medicine and all these other things, cloning, etc., and we're messing with them so much that there will become a problem mm-hmm. or, you know, the potential of a problem there where we can't stop. We're creating, like, a lot of the radio waves, radioactivity, and all this stuff is causing cancer. Yes. You know, it's, uh, we're in, it, this film was made in the mid 80s so we're in the midst of the aids epidemic that's right so to me the premise of the film was almost from the eyes of of gina davis i feel like she's the most relatable character in the film yeah so you're looking at the film through her eyes and you're watching somebody with a chronic illness you can't stop it you can't help them right and you can't like and i think that that is almost the it's a horror movie yeah because the horror in it is that you cannot help the people who are diseased with these kind of terminally ill problems. Got it. Got for the it, for it. this film, he creates his own problem. Yes. But I think if you were going to look at it through the lens, like a social lens, you could say that we're looking at all these people with, with the AIDS epidemic, yeah. these people with cancer. We're trying to help them. We're trying to cure it. But we're not coming up with cures fast enough. Yes. And we're just watching people crumble. Yeah. Oh, and I and I think you're a hundred percent on with that. Um, I think that that's a great interpretation. In fact, I'm in the middle of watching the film, and uh, and I thought to myself, "Now you're from Colorado, and so I I grew up. uh, My family was very conservative Christian. Um, I was raised in that kind of home. (laughs) It's not necessarily how I would identify myself today, but that's how my family was growing up. So you you are you aware of the organization called Focus on the Family? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Colorado Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So there, that was super big in the '80s. So if you were in the '80s, you probably remember them. If you if you are you know younger than that, you might not know them. But basically, they were out in the marketplace with the you know focus on the family. They had this big message about abstinence. Um, <laughs> I was like, dude, they should have could have saved a bunch of money. If they would just show this film to people instead. Just go watch go watch the fly, and it will get, get the message across. Yeah, uh, cracked me up as I was watching. I'm like. <laughs> This, this is crazy. So the fact that you go there with your, with the, basically the way you were exploring yeah. that theme, uh, I think is totally true. And I think that what what I'm referring to as the premise is a little bit more personal to like why do these things happen? Oh sure, yeah. You know, like why yeah. does this happen? Like why would this occur? And it he, was because he chooses. You know, he's really and he kind of does it in the film. He's going for that Nobel Peace Prize award. He's being selfish yep. in trying to attain that by creating uh, a teleportation device, which eventually becomes like a gene splicer cloning yep. type of device. And the selfishness in that yeah. is what tears him down. Yeah, and what I loved about this film, what I loved about it from a premise standpoint, is it doubled down on its premise. So what I thought would happen is he'd, he'd kind of like learn that, oh, okay, uh, this is not a path that I should be going down, and I'm starting to hurt other people, and so I'll turn it around. Yeah. But they didn't. They doubled down on it, and I'm like, that's amazing. Like, how often do you see that, especially from a leading character, a leading man? Um, they doubled down on his villainy. <laughs> that's yes. awesome. I love that. Okay, so here's more kind of a gold bloomy yeah. thought here, right? So when the when the film first started, and this is what I thought was a brilliant performance. Spoiler, I'm going to give Goldblum <laughs> 10 out of 10 possible Goldblums okay. for this performance. Yeah. Is 
at the beginning of the film, the first 15 minutes of the film, before he shows Gina Davis's character, Veronica, how the teleportation machine works. Mm -hmm. He's so monotone Jeff Goldblum. Like, you just don't ever... He's such an animated person (laughs) that I was kind of watching him. I was like, people, like, love this? Like, he really feels like he's, like, phoning it in. Yeah, Yeah. But what I learned, like, later in the film, thinking about, you know, him as an actor, is he was toning down who he was yeah because he knew that it had to go in the exact opposite direction yes later on in the film yes and because he's such an animated person initially you know like it's easier to go from like a 7 to a 10 than it is to go from 10 to 12 you know like so the first 15 minutes of the film he's really kind of being like more introverted a little laid back which fits the character because he has no friends he's a scientist totally works and lives in his lab uh so he's just like real subdued real laid back by the end of this film he's what i can only equate is to somebody who's had 10 cups of coffee And he even they even showed at one point he's having coffee and like just keeps adding sugar because flies <laughs> love sugar so he just keeps on adding the sugar and he's talking a, a, a you know a mile a minute he's like twitching out <laughs> and it's like wow like this the reason why he was this at the beginning so that we could get to this yeah I really loved the performance of that yeah this film okay so this film is super gross super gross <laughs> like yeah animat- don't eat during this film <laughs> no and angie and i were gonna go and get food and like watch the fly and i was like no this is not gonna be good i'm glad we didn't do that uh but the so the makeup and like animatronic special effects all that stuff is i think top notch in this film it is it's real good it won an academy award did it really it won an academy award for wow. best makeup jeff goldblum won a saturn award that year for best actor in wow. a leading role Cool. And uh, Gene Siskel of Siskel and Ebert, yeah. R.I.P., he said, and, and there's weekend show or whatever on Siskel Ebert, when they announced the Academy Award nominations, he said, I think Jeff Goldblum got snubbed because the Academy doesn't really favor horror. Uh, sure. And like sci-fi, they more perform, you know, prefer dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got snubbed because, in his mind, Gene Siskel's mind, Jeff Goldblum gave the best performance of that year. Whoa, crazy! So I don't know what you thought of his performance within this film. Was it like over the over the top? Was it too subtle no. at times? Oh, like, so think? I think that his performance. Uh, now I haven't seen all the Jeff Goldblum films that exist out there, as we talked about. So this is why this is so fun to watch all these films. But of the ones that I've already seen, I could make an argument that this is the most I've ever seen him stretched as an actor. In a good way? Well, no. Because when you expect Goldblum, <laughs> you don't get you get Goldblum for like like snippets in this film. Like you here's a Goldblum. Oh that oh there he is. There's Jeff Goldblum. And also it's not him anymore, it's some other dude. And so I think that if you it speaks to his caliber as an actor that he can go, I can go full Jeff Goldblum or I can be the fly and be like several different characters. Sure. So I, that's that's not me saying he did a bad job. I would actually kind of agree with Siskel. The, the, the issue I would say is that like, I didn't, re- <laughs> I didn't really like it though. You know, like I, I don't know why I just didn't, didn't, I didn't respond well to it. It's also a different time because when we think of like, uh, we said this with a big chill, like he wasn't, he didn't know he would be Jeff Goldblum. That's right. You know, like still at this point, I think most people saw him as maybe a character actor, yes. but didn't see him as this iconic 
figure that's like you hire Jeff Goldblum to be Jeff Goldblum in films. Exactly. That's what you do. So he wasn't at that point yet. So, but I think this was acting chops wise a fantastic film. Yes. Horror or not, like I actually have a problem with this film in that I don't know how to categorize it because I don't <laughs> want to call it a horror film. Like, would yeah. you call it a horror film? Honestly, I probably would not. I would call it. I think it's a horror film if you would consider Alien and a horror film. It's a horror film. But I would say that the sci-fi elements are so blatant and so in front of your face. I would just say that it's a sci-fi film with elements of horror. Yeah, because you need the sci-fi to create the horror. Exactly. Yeah. I almost see this film as um, like a tragic love story. Yeah. And that's, to me, like those are my favorite kind of like horror films is when it feels like it personally yes. attaches me. Yes. Um, and so like you relate to the Gina Davis character, Veronica, and you, you don't... The film kind of starts really s- startling. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, we're just in this. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I didn't know where we were going right away. And I like that. And execution I, wise, that's I did fantastic. Kind of like that. right? yeah. Yeah. Why, why have fluff? Just put me in the exactly. you know, put me in the scenario. Yeah. But to see their relationship blossom, it almost was startling too. To where it was like they they fell in love in the first ten minutes of the film, and then the rest <laughs> of the film right. is. And I felt like it maybe would have been a little bit better. And we're gonna do. Um, an episode on your podcast right. about the fly. We're going to talk a little kind of gold blooming there and talk about how we would have made this movie better. Yeah. And one of the things I'm going to bring up is that I, I wish the love story had already been established before the opening credits Yeah, because I didn't completely believe these people fell in love in the span of a weekend. Right. Uh, I wish that this would have been his like wife, assistant you know in a lab or whatever yeah but beyond that i i felt really like in the love story of this um the connection between jeff goldblum and gina davis and i felt the beauty and the beast like qualities of him being the beast yes her being bell and then um, John Getz's character, um, Stathis, yeah. who's also her boss, <laughs> right. being the Gaston kind of character. Totally. And then, like you said, by the end of the film, it's like reverse Beauty and the Beast. Like, <laughs> exactly. like all of a sudden, the Beast tries to kill everyone, <laughs> That's right. and Gaston saves the day. Yep. But like, okay, so Jeff Goldblum in this film. This is our second film that we've seen him with Gina Davis. Yeah. The next one we're going to talk about is Earth Girls. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And that's the third film of three that starred Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, I kind of put these films all together. I didn't mean to, but now (laughs) thinking about it, it makes sense because their relationship blossomed between Transylvania 6 5000 and this movie. Sure. And then they got married. And that was Jeff Goldblum's second marriage, her first marriage, I believe. Hmm. What do you think of Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis as a couple? Like, do they have on-screen chemistry? Do you think that that works? Because they're both yeah. two kind of strange individuals. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. But Gina Davis is a much prettier person than Jeff Goldblum is. <laughs> I, I don't know. His torso in this film. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was ripped, dude. <laughs> he was super ripped. All right. So here, here's here's my kind of take on that. I think that um, I would actually have said the same thing that Siskel said about Goldblum, about Gina Davis. There's oh. moments in this film where her acting is 
amazing comparative to what you would see in most B movie horror. Yeah. Like her acting is like it's amazing. You're like, oh, you you look like you are just torn apart by the fact and I think you're a hundred percent right, by the way, that they shouldn't they should have foreshadowed this happening. They should have given this more time for this relationship to occur. Right. Because she's completely devastated. Yeah. By like day four. You know, like yeah. you just met the guy, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um but I think that she's when she plays completely devastated, like it is palpable. Like you're watching it being like, I, I wasn't as upset until I started watching her be upset. You know, yeah. like no, yeah, she's great. So I, I, but in regards to them playing off each other, I do think you're right. They're they're both sort of unique people. But in these roles, one of the things they did really well is that they she plays the straight character and he plays the mad scientist and i don't know that it could work with a lot of other actors and actresses in this kind of relationship because he comes off in the beginning as still super charming he comes off as jeff goldblum charming yeah right and you're like oh yeah of course you're gonna fall in love this makes a ton of sense and she's the practical one but then when he turns and you're right turns up the dial on his acting and now he's a completely different person she goes completely the other way now she's the one that's like totally emotionally disturbed and like freaking out about this whole thing um good reason to by the way uh so i don't know that there's that many actors who could pull that off and and we wouldn't be watching going this is so cheesy so it's so interesting to me because the more i talk about movies you and dale talked about this on the dcc Okay. You guys said like we get so into analyzing movies that sometimes we can just ruin them all. It's so interesting to me because the opposite happens to me. Oh, really? I respond and go, I don't like. I so I said I respond to this film. I go, I didn't like that. It was gross. It's just oh. But as we talk about it, <laughs> I like it more you know, and more. Yeah. It happens to me all the time with films. I kind of wanted to come in today and yeah. like record this episode, and I thought maybe you might not like it. And if you <laughs> didn't like the film, I wanted to convince you how good this film was because. Okay, so here's the thing about really good horror films. Yeah. Uh, about any any genre film. Yeah. Is that they def- they they break out of the barrier of that genre. Exactly. And I and I kind of said like I don't know what genre to fit this into because it's one of those films people would categorize in horror, right? Like if you went to a blockbuster, yeah. Like in 1990 something, this would have been a horror section movie or a sci-fi yeah. section movie maybe even. But I just I feel like this is a movie that fits in any scenario like you could show this to anybody like granted there's like sex scenes and stuff and like some pretty graphic like (laughs) disturbing things so maybe you don't want to show it to like you know seven-year-olds no that's probably that's that's i mean like i i watched it right before bed and like (laughs) i don't know how well i slept but this movie i just felt like was so good at portraying because i this is another movie, just like The Big Chill, with a really small cast. You yes. don't really know a lot of people. That's correct. But you don't need to. It's a very human story. And it's got a bunch of little elements, but you're following... It, it doesn't want you to follow a bunch of people. It wants you to follow Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum, mostly. And then, you know, to a certain extent, um, John Getz. It made me really appreciate these three actors... And what they each brought to the table. Sure. And what they each, you know, made this, how they each made this movie. There were definitely a lot of scenes as well in this film that I felt like I appreciated the behind the scenes people. I appreciated the lighting people. I appreciated the camera work. Yeah. And I really appreciated the makeup department because they could have done a thing 
Because at one point in the film, he says, I haven't seen you in four weeks. Mm. And so you assume, you know, they've they've had this large gap. So you're kind of like, okay, what does he look like now? Yeah. But the only reason that you think, what does he look like now, is because you saw the gradual, you know, kind of like <laughs> cracked out gold bloom <laughs> right. to the point where you're like, okay, now four weeks later, does he look like an insane person? Yes. Which he does. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he's acting insane too. And then you continue to see the gradual, you know, transformation. But like, I don't know of of another movie that didn't use CG because that would be the the easy way out in this day and age. But this is the 80s. They didn't really have that to go and figure out what Jeff Goldblum would look like (laughs) each single day. And like, for those who don't know the premise of the film, we've kind of talked a bit about it, but like the premise of this film or like this, the plot, how this movie goes is that he puts the charm, the Jeff Goldblum (laughs) charm on Gina Davis, um, invites her over to his lab, um, and wants to show off what he's been working on to, to hopefully win like a Nobel peace prize or get recognition. And he's built a teleporting machine and he shows her by taking one of her stockings and transporting it to the other side of the room with these two pods, which was perfect. The science of it, you know, I bought into it, yep. so fine. And then he gets kind of cocky. They do a animal, a baboon, does not go well. <laughs> does not at all. Like it's that's the first like hint of disgustingness in the film. <laughs> he then figures out the problem with it. Does a second baboon. It works. And he's had a couple of drinks, gets cocky, and goes, okay, I'm going to do this. While she deals with her ex-boyfriend slash boss, which is the uh, John Getz character. And while she's gone, he decides to transport himself. And what he doesn't realize is that a fly and him Mm. are both in the transportation pod. So instead of transporting both of them separately to the other pod... The science behind it is that it transports both of them and then connects them together. That's right. And then throughout the film, you see this gradual change of Jeff Goldblum from being basically the beginning origin story of like Captain America to uh, what I could only assume is the opposite of the <laughs> Captain America origin story exactly. to a person who's like gone from comic book origin story to a person who's going through the tragic... like demise of somebody who has a serious disease um you know and he is like mutating basically into a fly by the very end of this film the last five minutes of the film he like legit loses all power to talk all of his skin like falls off of him and he is like a fly a giant fly that's right uh, it's so gross how he gets there too. I, did, I, I don't know if i loved that part of it where it was like we're just gonna go all the way on this like i kind of liked that it was still him a little bit so i don't know but, but whatever that's you know something for a, a different time <laughs> but um i don't know i just i really liked this movie and i i, I wish that i could convince you <laughs> that this is like one of the greatest movies of all time but i know you don't even like horror right so the element i mean this is like laden with elements of horror all over it right 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 i think there's 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 two things that make me not like the film the first is that, and I talk about this all the time on our podcast, but I react to everything as a writer does. So because I write film, and I haven't written a ton of a ton of film, at least not feature length, but I've done a lot of short film and I've done a lot of other kinds of writing. I approach everything I look at as a writer, which means that if I see challenges 
in the way that the writing plays itself out, it it detracts from the film for me. Oh, so you thought this was challenged with problems? Well, well, two things. The other side of me just reacts like anybody who watches movies reacts in that I have an emotional response. Yeah. So the writer in me loved, like I said, the premise of how this was going to play out. I actually really loved how they doubled down, like I said, on the premise. Like, this is what's happening in this film. Like, we are not moving away from this. At the end of this film, you're not going to feel good about how how this goes. I love that. Tragedies are a lost art. I would very much equate it to The Last Jedi. Meaning that it subverts every expectation that you would have from Act 1 to Act 3. And if if you don't like that kind of thing, you're unlikely to like the fly, right? Yes. Um, I kind of like that kind of stuff. I, I kind of like my expectations being messed with a little bit. However, some of the execution confused me. I do think that as he's playing with not necessarily the premise, but more of the theme, the thematic elements of saying, what would it be like to be a female in the 1980s who has an unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. That is a fantastic way to display that theme. (laughs) Yes. Right? Like, she's stuck between her abusive ex-boyfriend, emotionally abusive ex-boyfriend, the new guy that she loves who's turned into a monster, who literally has impregnated her with a monster. What... How do you... What what in the world? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that that is handled really well. But what I don't like about it is that it introduces some of those elements without okay this is you're making me struggle with it because i i love the fact that it introduces those elements and doesn't come to a conclusion because i like that yeah but at the same time my brain is going what about this what was i supposed to do with that so because the film the film ends with jeff goldblum dying correct the boyfriend who's been thrown up on grossly <laughs> with, like, acid, right? Like, flies puke out acid or whatever. Yeah. So he's now missing two limbs, <laughs> has to save her from a pod, which is great, saves her. She's the only one unscathed. But at the same time, they, yeah, you're right. They don't answer, uh, you know, when Jeff Goldblum impregnates her, even though she's unknowing to the monster he's going to turn into and, and knowing that the... The time in which she gets pregnant is the time in which he does have this mutated gene yeah. within him. And that she knows that that could be problematic right. for a birth. Um, and that they don't solve that problem by the end. Right. I think that there's enough elements in the film that suggest that she's her own powerful woman. The only things that were stopping her from um, going to a doctor and having that abortion were Jeff Goldblum yeah, and this other guy who now has two less limbs right? Um, because he wasn't sure <laughs> if right. that was the right decision. But because he wasn't sure, he lost two limbs. You know, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think, like, now he would be on her side and be like, yeah, that was... <laughs> this is a bad thing. We don't want this. Well, and he almost has zero... I mean, this is so, so true to life, right? Like, he should have zero input into that decision to a certain degree, yeah. right? But it's so true to real life. Like, the abusive person coming back into someone's life. But to tie it, to tie it back into gold blooming, I think his performance was amazing. I'll stop short of amazing. His performance was really good. But I think as someone who's doing a gold blooming podcast, and this has been super fun and super like, yeah, it's gold bloom. We saw him again. Right, yeah, It's yeah. so different than that. It is. And this, so that's where it was hard for me, I think. This is a film that should not be serious, 
by the premise of a man turns into a fly. Correct. But it is serious. The ideas that are discussed are serious. Almost more serious than the big chill because it's in your face hard. Yep. With like to the point where it's gross. Exactly. Right. And uh, but I want to ask you the last question about the fly before we move before we give ratings. Yeah. um, Ten out of ten Goldblums, and then we'll do the what would Jeff Goldblum do? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So last thing here, the movie has tons of gross out moments. Yeah. And you're not huge on that, I'm assuming, because you're not a big horror guy. A little squeamish, maybe. Saw movies aren't your favorite thing. <laughs> no, Saw movies aren't my favorite thing. I, like I, I <laughs> yeah. could, I could do really without the gross out, over the top blood guts. Yeah, I did like this film though for what it portrayed makeup wise. Yeah. But regardless of that, do you think the film stands better with less of that? If it were to have less mm. of that gross out makeup stuff, Jeff Goldblum didn't necessarily get to the level of like fly that he became yeah would it have been a better performance or would it have been a better film for you all overall yeah i think so um because a lot of times that stuff it feels like it's forced to me so here, here's a here's a good example there's a moment in the movie where he trans he, he attempts to transport the baboon and they transport the baboon and he goes and the baboon is look is super grotesque. It does not transfer correctly, and it basically looks like it's been skinned alive. And it's like yeah. just kind of squirming around. I mean, it's it's as disgusting as it sounds like it would be. <laughs> right, and it's only maybe like a five second shot. Correct. It's only like a five second shot. That's the first, like you said, it's the first indication of like what the hell did I get myself into? Yeah. But when you see that, when you see that shot, his response to that shot is, "Oh, that's unfortunate." And then he goes. To trying to figure out, like a scientist would do, what did I do wrong? And he figures out, oh, I think it just turned it inside out. <laughs> like it turned the baboon inside out. But his emotional response and her emotional response is so subdued, comparative to the level of disturbing that yeah, like that scene you, was. If you saw that in real life, you would be like, I need five minutes. <laughs> like, I just, just. Dude, I would need counseling for years. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he's the one that did it. Yes. And and even her response to it, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of gross. Sure. But it's like, so I think that her character is exposed to him and has the appropriate response. And you can make an argument that he's not empathetic as a character and that's part of his issue. Um, yeah. You can make that case about like, well, he's not empathetic, so that's why he gets so villainous. But I think that that's part of what I'm what I was considering as execution. Like, it throws stuff at you to get you to respond in a way but some of the characters aren't always responding in the way that you would assume that they would respond. Yes. And you're just kind of like... Because they're not the way that you would respond. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it kind of takes you as a person out of the film. And that's right? why I think it's a little too... It's a little overboard with its grotesqueness. Sure. It's almost like we're going to be grotesque just because as a director, that's what I do. As opposed to that's what the film really needs. And it was... Cro- it is... You know, it's a Cronenberg film. He does rely heavily on gross out body <laughs> horror makeup stuff <laughs> right. so it is definitely his signature thing that's right you know it's like it's like when you go to see a wes anderson or tim burton kind of film or whatever and you're like this is clearly like mm-hmm. no one makes a film that looks like this unless you're tim burton right so whatever but that was cronenberg so i get that like and i get like that like for me so with saw yeah i don't like the saw films right i like the premise mm-hmm. like, i like the premise of I'm only doing... Am I a villain if I'm only terrorizing other villains? 
Yeah. Right? A really interesting premise. Right. But then three-fourths of the movie is how can I make people in the theater throw up? <laughs> right. And exactly. it's like it takes me so far out of that. Yeah. Like there's a really great scene in the in, in the fly, which well, now when I think about it, I'm like, we didn't really need the scene. But like he's in a bar. He picks up another chick because he's gold blooming. He just picks up <laughs> chicks left and right, apparently, <laughs> right. in every film. <laughs> but like he goes up to this girl at the bar, and there's like two guys sitting there arm wrestling, which, by the way, their arm wrestling match was basically like the longest handshake I've ever seen. Like they were not arm wrestling at all. <laughs> right. But he says, you know, $100, I bet I can beat you guys because he's now this mutant, like, right. X Men. He goes and like arm wrestles this guy and like doesn't slam his arm down like you usually see in like uh you know tough guy arm wrestling matches he breaks and like (laughs) fractures like bones sticking out of his hand and i was just like i literally said the words holy shit (laughs) (laughs) out loud like and i watched this movie at 11 p.m at night lights out in the house (laughs) super silent yeah and like i must like and i live with roommates i must have startled everyone in the house (laughs) Because they were like, what's wrong? What's going on with Josh? It's just Jeff Goldblum breaking people's wrists. Uh, you know, like, it was it was weird. But, like, now, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, we didn't really need that gross-out arm-breaking thing. Right. It was just put in there because I think they wanted to. Yes. The same with the baboon turning inside out. There's a, there's a, uh, a shot, beautiful shot, and I really love it because they go up to the pod and all these pods, it's very much like Back to the Future, like when somebody gets transported to the other side. Yeah. It's like smoke and, and ice kind of fog yeah. up the glass yeah. of the pod. And you just see like this kind of blood splatter right. onto the pod. That's all they needed to show. Totally. Because that got across the message of baboon dead. Yep. Instead, they open the pod and you see like this animatronic whatever... Yeah. Like flopping around for five <laughs> seconds. And it's like, clearly the budget went to this. Right. But regardless of that, I did think I would give this film eight out of ten gold blooms. And I think maybe I gave the big chill seven to eight. This is de- yeah. this is definitely eight for me. I wouldn't go nine, although depending on my mood, I might teeter towards that. Mm. I thought I thought this was a fantastic film. Like I said before. This is like a 10 out of 10 Goldblooms. might be like his best performance I've ever seen. Wow. So we're like very different on this film too. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fine. I am, I'm going to be a 2 out of 10 because to me, it, this is the same as The Big Chill. I want to talk about it. I am glad I saw it. I don't really want to watch it again for any reason. I'm a 2 out of 10 Goldblooms for the film. I love the fact that he showcased his acting chops and he does a great job we didn't talk about this much but he does a great job of having like a little tick so yeah. like when he's the fly oh, yeah. like he like he he works it in like he's just like he moves and then twitches a lot it uh, looked like in like if it was if that movie was made today i would think they would have cg'd yeah him i i would think that would be a computer generated effect oh yeah but like since it's not that era i know he did that in person and that's awesome. Totally. And there's moments where he's licking his lips and stuff, and you're like, dude, they've got makeup all in his <laughs> mouth. Like, he, like it's all over the place. Yeah. Um, he loses teeth, which is super gross. Uh, but so the problem is, is that I entered it wanting to see Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. 
And I saw like moments of Jeff Goldblum. Right. So I'm giving this one. I'm giving this one because it's Goldblooming and because I expected Jeff Goldblum that I know today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm giving it two Goldblums out of his no, performance. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> it's so good. It's okay. Yeah. It's not quintessential Goldblum. No. But I thought that like if this was any other actor, I feel like. This was, and I agree with Gene Siskel, this is award-winning style acting Yes. in the wrong genre to be nominated for award-winning style acting. I think that's true. I think that's true. I think, I think like, most of what, when we talk about these films, we actually totally agree. It's just that the, my emotional response to <laughs> yeah. it is so different. You right, know? yeah, yeah. So it's totally subjective. My subjective response is different. Man. Well, we're gonna. I mean, if I can if, still be on the next show, right? Yeah, you, you you're gonna still host the show as well. But uh, I would love to know, is like from listeners, like what they think, because yeah. this is a film that like neither of us has seen before, but we both knew about it. Obviously, yeah. it has like that "be very afraid" line, pop culture references galore the fly is like a movie that most people know about if they've if they've at least not seen it or some people have seen it right so here's a chance if you've seen the film or if you're just discovering the film i'd love to know if you're on team j or team josh (laughs) totally (laughs) because it's a really interesting film and i do i think the same with the big chill with this film you either love it or you hate it. There's totally. no middle ground on this film. No, 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 no. So you can't be you can't walk out of the theater and be like, "Well, eh, it's a decent film." Yeah. You either are like all in or you're. But I I wanted to ask you. So we you know we've been doing this. What would Jeff Goldblum do? Yes. Scenarios the past yeah. few weeks. Uh, we've got the Patreon exclusive one, and we've got uh, you know the one for the show. So I asked you to come up with one yeah. for this week, and we'll do that one on the show. Okay, sounds good to me. Uh, the Patreon exclusive one is going to be uh, because for whatever reason, this idea of journalism just follows Jeff Goldblum characters. <laughs> In this film, he's not the journalist, but Gina Davis is the journalist. Yeah, that's right. And freaks him out uh, in a mo- you know, because he's shown her in these moments of like trying to woo her, how great of a scientist he is, and right. she's like, "Great, I'm going to write about this. I'm a journalist," and he's like, "Whoa, what?" Yeah. Um. So I want to know. For the Patreon exclusive show, uh, and this is a given moment to think about it, what is the weirdest thing or craziest thing that Jeff you think that Jeff Goldblum has done in real life that he would never want a journalist to write about? Dude, that's an amazing question. <laughs> no problem. You gotta subscribe on Patreon because this is gonna be good. Yeah, so uh, Patreon gets that one. So what's yours though? Because I want to I want to answer this for this show. Yeah. So I want to I want to tie in uh, I want to tie in the network 1901 origins in being like a Disney focused okay. type deal. Yeah. And I would say if you could cast any character in any Disney film recast as Jeff Goldblum. What would you? What would Jeff Goldblum do? So who would it be? And then what would Jeff Goldblum do differently in that role? Okay. To change the character. So I think he like to me Jeff Goldblum is great in these kinds of movies as a main actor, but I don't see him as like the death defying you know uh, saving the day prince right or something like that. So to me he's <laughs> always gonna be like a. a sidekick character yeah so i think and this is what came to mind right away i think uh because right now they're remaking aladdin and they cast will smith as the genie yes dude jeff goldblum as the genie (laughs) would be fantastic epic i love it but like jeff goldblum playing the genie uh the way that jeff goldblum is in the sense that he's a little bit neurotic (laughs) 
right. and a little unstable, <laughs> right? Like he's yes. been he's been in this lamp for so so many years, hundreds of years. <laughs> right, right. Like he finally gets out, and I don't think so. If it was like the actual animated thing, uh, he could be a floating thing, mm-hmm. which is you know like the genie is, which is fine. But I think if they were to make like a live action one, like they're going to, yeah. I would want the Jeff Goldblum to be the live action one, and I would just want him to be Jeff Goldblum stand like just standing there like I wouldn't want him to be like fantastical <laughs> right um but I would want him to look m- almost more like uh the grandmaster from Thor Ragnarok where yes. he's got like a little bit of makeup and like like something's more alien like nobody would normally do this to their you know makeup but he's doing it cuz it's just weird uh I like that and I think that he would grant the three wishes but he would like when Aladdin would ask to, you know, become like the Prince Ali character, Jeff Goldblum would tell him all of the problems that he's going to have happen to him mm. before they actually happen to him. Mm. So I almost like him more as like, uh, like a, the genie is like a fortune teller as well. Like, yeah. if you do this, you know this is going to happen, right? And like Aladdin wouldn't believe him, <laughs> right? But I feel like he could be like the I told you so kind of character. I, I just feel like that would be a real fun role for a Jeff Goldblum kind of person to be. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. I think that would be... that. Would, I Actually, if you could recast right now... I love Will Smith, by the way. Super fun actor. Yeah. But if you could tell me right now, you can you get just swap Will Smith for Jeff Goldblum, I'm in, dude. Yeah, you're that, in, yeah. I'm in 100%. That sounds awesome. Also, you can just see him being like, you know, well, uh, you know, you've got... Three wishes. Yeah. And you, know, like, you just see him saying that, like, no, no, there are there, there are rules. Yeah, no death. You can't <laughs> can't can't right. wish in death on anyone. Uh, you can't. Uh, I can't give you immortality. <laughs> and uh, there's only three wishes. Yeah. That's right. Can't ask for more. There's uh, uh, only three. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You'd yeah. Be like, could, yeah. You would say it too. Be like, uh, I, uh, I can't give you. Uh, you know, I, I can't give you immortality. Uh, of course, I have immortality. Right. But yeah. I can't give you immortality. You would basically, <laughs> this would be the genie that you would basically wish you never got. Like, you never found the lamp because he would take so long to grant you wishes. And, exactly. like, he would be like any medicine commercial on TV where just like a contract of things that could go wrong. <laughs> He tells you before he gives you what you really want. Dude, what would be awesome if he told you what would go wrong based on his previous roles in movies? It's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't do superpowers. Yeah, <laughs> I've been not, down that road before. Yeah, it's not. not it's not good. Not good. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that answer. That's perfect. That's a better answer than my answers. I think for me, I, I would go with two different characters, and the first one would be on the live show. Angie asked me to tweet out who is Jeff Goldblum's favorite character. And I actually, I tweeted out that it would be Jiminy Cricket. But I would love to see Jeff Goldblum replace Jiminy Cricket in the role. Okay. Because Jiminy Cricket is such a neurotic character. He's worried. He's just very concerned that Pinocchio is going to do all the wrong things. And he's like this kind of little voice of wisdom. But just imagine if it was Jeff Goldblum. He'd be like the, he'd be like the, the smoothest character ever. He'd be like... Yeah, you don't really want to do that, Pinocchio. <laughs> He'd be like, okay, well, you did it, so that's not good. But you can still get out of this. <laughs> okay, so what's funny that you said Pinocchio, yeah. I thought, um, and I didn't, okay, so I didn't think, because I know you gave that answer yeah. on Twitter, but I didn't think that would be the role for him. Yeah. 
I think if he was going, because I see him um, a lot like if you were going to like cast Jeff Goldblum in something, the perfect thing that I think he would do well in yeah. is like a devil kind of character, right? Like yeah. where you like sign this contract and you know you'll be. <laughs> right. So I actually think uh, that he would be really good playing the role of like Honest John in uh, Pinocchio, where like uh-huh. Honest John convinces Pinocchio to go to Pleasure Island. He convinces Pinocchio to like join Stromboli's circus. And so like I feel like he could kind of he's so charming in all these roles totally. to get ladies. How could he not be charming <laughs> to get Pinocchio to do whatever he wanted to yes. do so that he could benefit from it in the long run? So I think that kind of role or like uh, a Hades from Hercules. Oh, yeah. That's a great role for Jeffrey Goldblum too. That's a fantastic role Hades. for Hades. Yes. And if they do a live action version of Hercules, please Disney. <laughs> I beg you, if you cannot get James Woods to do that role like he does really well in the animated film, please take Jeff Goldblum, put the like flamey blue hair up on him. Yeah. Make him like slick dressed, nice looking Hades. Actually put some of his like super iconic glasses on him even. Yes. Perfect. Nerdy fashion <laughs> Blue-haired Jeff Goldblum is the Hades this world deserves. Yes, yes. Um, the, other, the only other character I think that I would not cast him as this character because he could play it almost too well, but would be like the uh, what's the character in Frozen who's uh, I don't know. This is like my my street cred for Frozen is completely gone because I yeah, always don't know who Elsa or Hans? Anna is. Yeah, Hans. Okay. He'd be, he like would fit a perfect Hans role too. He's not a big tough guy, but in yeah. terms of that, like, like that kind of like I'm yeah. the anti-hero, but I'm really a hero, like yeah. that kind of guy. Like, he's, I'm too charming to hate, but like you're exactly. gonna hate me by the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I did. I dig that. I actually really had no answers going into that, <laughs> but as soon as you asked me the question, I was just like. What would he play? And then it's like steamrolled into a bunch of different roles. Dude, the genie is money. I, I'm serious. Like if the they genie can... or Hades, I think. Oh, are money. those are great. Yes, excellent answer. Yeah, and it surprises me that he hasn't really done a Disney yeah. film. Yeah, he's he's kind of perfect for it. He's he's he is a voice. I think in I think in Atlantis, maybe one of like the oh. one of the lesser known okay. films. But like, it surprises me that he hasn't been, especially in like. Jurassic Park peak, everybody wants Jeff Goldblum for something. Yes. How he wasn't asked to be in like one of those big Renaissance films. I don't understand right? it either. Like he he should be in he he plays such a perfect role for so many of those films where you have like the wise but yet sarcastic sidekick. Yeah. Like he's perfect. Like how would you not cast him? Right. Well, we'll be doing the other what would Jeff Goldblum uh question. On our Patreon page, if you want to check that out, patreon.com slash network1901. We put up one for for every film so far. So for The Big Chill, for Transylvania 6 5000, and then uh, this film, so it'll be the third of nine, at least nine, that we're going to be doing Patreon-exclusive What Would Jeff Goldblum's uh, situations do. If you want to know the juicy gossip of things that, that we think that Jeff Goldblum has done <laughs> that he wouldn't want a journalist to know... You're going to have to check that out there. Uh, And also make sure to check out the Story Geeks podcast because we are doing some other gold-blooming stuff over there. Uh, Transylvania 6-5000, we talked about myths and and monster lore. 
uh, ghost stories, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then this week for this episode, we're going to kind of talk about what would make The Fly a better film. Which you're already like up at the top, so it's going to yeah, be... I, yeah, I, I've got some ideas, but this is like a close to... This is a great film. Not perfect. Yeah. I'm going to try and make it perfect. <laughs> you on awesome. your end are going to try and make it watchable. <laughs> like, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. But uh, thank you for listening for this episode and for all other previous episodes. Make sure to check out uh, the films on our listings for uh, all the future episodes. If you want to watch any of the films along with us, we totally encourage you to do that. You can check them out on Amazon. All the movies are, are there, so you can rent them. Or if you have Prime, some of them have uh, Prime. But uh, if you want to follow Jay or myself, you can on Twitter. Let us know how gold blooming is for you, how much fun you're having with it if you are, or how much you hate it. I don't know. Why do you keep <laughs> listening if you hate it? But that's, right. that's on you. Uh, you can follow me, Modern Mouse Josh, or Jay Shearer on Twitter. And if you go to network1901.com slash gold blooming, you can find all the notes to these episodes the listings of all the movies you can find the links to uh, the amazon rentals and to our twitter profile so tons of reasons to go over to network1901.com uh, and in the meantime thanks for listening and keep on moving people and keep on gold blooming Thank you for listening to this episode of Gold Blooming. If you enjoy the show and you want to watch all the movies, go over to network1901.com slash goldblooming. There you can click on the show notes, find all the movies that we're talking about, and you can find the Amazon links to all of the films to rent them, or if you have Prime, you can get them there. Uh, you can get this show for The Fly, or you can watch the next movie in the show notes of The Fly, which is going to be Earth Girls Are Easy, another Gina Davis-Jeff Goldblum pairing, it's going to be fun, so get ready for next week and make sure to send us your hashtag goldblooming tweets on Twitter. We love seeing those. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. Keep on moving, people, and keep on gold blooming. <laughs>